Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and good evening, everyone. Welcome to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al Lundy. And we're going to talk to you about the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, We're going to use as the background for that the readings uh, from this weekend's Mass. This is the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. We are steadily creeping towards Advent. Uh, That's why it's ordinary. It's numbers. We're counting. So we're counting our way towards Advent at the end of November and uh, back into the Christmas season. So, uh, boy, the year has gone so fast. I guess this week uh, the kids are back in school, right? That's probably you. You're probably on your way back to school now. And uh, boy, summer is still not long enough, is it? Uh, It wasn't long. It wasn't long enough when I was a kid. It's probably not long enough for you now. Um, But I I have to tell you, maybe it's my old age creeping up on me. The the thought or the the plan of having school year round kind of appeals to me now. It it does in certain ways. I mean, the, the idea of having more breaks throughout the year rather than one break that just kind of races past you in the summer. Um, I don't know. I'll, I leave that up to, uh, to stronger minds than mine and people who have more authority than I have. But uh, I think there's, there's a lot to be said about year round schooling and, and, and to have that kind of a uh, continuity. Uh, you give me, you give me eight weeks off from anything and I have to be retrained. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't hold on to stuff for eight weeks without practice. So anyway, uh, if you're going back to school, have a wonderful school year. Uh, uh, keep keep God in your in your plans. Keep God in your in your prayers as as you prepare to go back. Uh, make good friends. Use good discernment to choose your friends and uh, to choose your activities. And uh, I hope you have hope you have a, a happy time in school this year. What we have coming up uh, liturgically in the in the nineteenth uh, Sunday of Ordinary Time. Um, a great lesson in how do I know if it's God talking to me? How do I make that discernment? Or, or maybe you feel like God has never spoken to you, and you're wondering, how does that happen? Uh, it, you know, it happens differently for everybody, but what I thought I would share with you uh, today is uh, my the first time I can say, I heard God talk to me. Because now there's been several times in my life, and I, and I think as you as you study scripture more, as you pray more, as you develop a relationship with God, you become more aware of his presence uh, in little things, just little things, let alone big things. Everybody thinks of God as the big miracle worker, you know, the parting of the Red Sea, uh, the creation of the universe, the big stuff, uh, the 40 year, the 40 day flood, those kind of things. But God works in our lives in, in the little, in the little nooks and crannies and the little moments and a lot of things that we talk up to coincidence, that's God working. That's, that's God taking a moment to, to insert himself in your life and say, hey, I'm still here. I'm with you. And it's, it's, sometimes it's uh, uh, the curing of an illness. Uh, sometimes it's just the forgiveness of a sin. Sometimes it's just the, uh, the releasing you from that bondage of guilt uh, that, that you felt over something you said to someone or uh, something you did that you knew you shouldn't have. And uh, you f- suddenly feel that that forgiveness from from God through your contrite confession. So he works in big ways and little ways, and he talks to us not in a big booming voice. Uh, he tends to talk to us 
in, in a much softer voice, in, in a whisper, as, as we'll hear in today's readings. And I know, I, I know for myself, and I, I can attest to this through, through, my, through my homily uh, writing, I oftentimes, I, I spend days, hours, working on a seven to 10 minute homily to give at a Sunday mass. And through all the prayer and through all the study, I'll still come up with nothing I have to say, nothing I feel like needs to be said. But then I'll, I'll go to sleep that night and wake up in the morning and go sit at the type, go sit at the computer and type out the homily boom in just a few minutes. And that's because during the night I, I get an inspiration of, I, I think about, I'm thinking about what I've read and I'm thinking about what I've prayed about. And in my dreams, this is going to sound so silly to some people, but in my dreams, I hear the homily. I, I see myself giving the homily. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard this uh, referred to as a St. Joseph meditation uh, because when did Joseph, when did, the, when did Gabriel speak to Joseph? We know of two occasions, at least in, in scripture, and it was always when Joseph was sleeping. And I think part of it is when we're awake, we're not, we're too focused on other things to hear God's voice when we're awake. But when we relax, when we rest, uh, that's when we're able to focus more on, on hearing that whisper from God. Um, we live in a noisy world, and that's why it's important to have some place in your life to go to pray, uh, to go to, to uh, contemplate about the nature of God and about your, your relationship with God. And that could be a, a room in your house. It could be a, a space in your yard out on the patio or on the deck. Uh, it could be a park that you drive to. Whatever it is, you need, a, everyone needs a quiet spot, a place they can withdraw to, to be alone with their thoughts and to be able to block out or eliminate some of the interference of a very noisy world. Turn off the phone, leave it behind, turn off the television. Uh, turn off the computers and just sit quietly. And you don't even have to think about anything specific. Just sit and think and see what comes into your mind, into your heart. And I think you'll be amazed at all the things God's trying to say to you. So the first time I, I can say I heard God's voice, I was 13 years old. And I had just been on a fishing trip with one of my best friends, Ken Keel. And Ken and had invited me to go with him and his parents to Bemidji, Minnesota. So Bemidji, you go north into Minnesota, and just before you cross the border into Canada, before you hit International Falls, you're in Bemidji. Um, beautiful lake there, state of Bemidji State Park. Beautiful lake, great fishing, incredible walleye. Yeah. Uh, you could, you could barely get your line in the water without pulling out a walleye. And, and uh, I caught a, my first gar there. I thought, I, as I'm bringing him out of the water, I thought I caught an alligator. Uh, but it was, it was a gar. And uh, some, a lot of northern pike. I mean, it's just probably the best fishing I've ever done was at, at Lake Bemidji. But anyway, we were, we were there um, for, it was supposed to be 10 days. And we were about six days into it. And... I had uh, what they thought was a nightmare. We're camping. They said I, the, the, we're all in one tent. The parents and my buddy and I, like I said, we were teenage, 
new, newly minted teenagers, uh, <clears throat> I sat up in the middle of the night and screamed and laid back down, went back to sleep. They thought I had a nightmare and they were teasing me the next day about having had a nightmare. Well, when I sat up so quickly like that, I pulled a muscle or something in like my groin, like my upper thigh. It was kind of sore. And so I, we were, we went, we were supposed to go hiking that day. I went hiking for a little bit. And I said, you know what? My leg hurts too bad. I got to go back. So then we got in the rowboat, went out and do some fishing and I'm rowing, but you know, when you row, it takes some abdominal muscles to row and I didn't feel so hot. I then didn't feel real comfortable. So my buddy had to do all the rowing. He did not enjoy that at all. So anyway, by the end of the day, my, my friend Ken is truly perturbed at me because I, w- I went from this five days of fun outdoor guy to, I was being pretty complainy, pretty, I uh, uh, just whiny. So little side conference between Ken and his parents. It was decided that it's time to get uh, Al home. So they decided uh, we're going to cut the trip short. That the next morning we are going to head back because I obviously was not enjoying myself. So we did that. So the next morning it was, it was a, a pretty special occasion. It was the liftoff of the Apollo uh, mission that was going to land on the moon. So we pulled out of our campsite at Bemidji to the countdown of the Apollo liftoff. Headed back from Bemidji to uh, the Chicago area, which I don't know, six to eight hour drive, as I recall. We got back into, we got back home about midnight, went directly to bed, got up the next morning and uh, went to my buddy's house, went swimming, uh, wrestled with my older brother. He was a, on the wrestling team and he had a, he had a, uh, a meet coming up and needed to, to uh, have, have a little warm-up match. So he and I were doing some wrestling. Wasn't particularly uh, into it. Uh, the neighborhood kids tried to get me into some touch football. Eh, wasn't really into that. I was taking a lot of naps. I was tired. I'd been on this outdoors trip. I was taking three, four naps a day. Eh, not quite the way I usually spent my day as a 13-year-old. And my mother decided that my tan was a little too golden brown. Not the way I usually tan. So she had my dad take me to the clinic. She called my dad home from work, had, had him take me into the clinic. And my doctor checks me out. Now you have to remember, this is late 60s. This is before CAT scans and um, all the other kind of scans that they do now, right? Didn't have that. X-rays was about as fancy as we got. MRIs, they didn't have MRIs. They barely. We barely had color photography, let's be honest. So... They, they do what they can. They don't see anything. So they do a blood test. Doctor comes back after the blood test and says to my dad, and they're standing by the door in the hallway. I'm sitting in the exam room, in the emergency room. And he says, um, go get your wife and bring her over here. Uh, we have to do surgery right away. And my dad said, what for? And he says, uh, we don't really know. But with the toxin levels in his blood, he should be dead. Dead. I'm 13 years old and I hear the doctor tell my dad, I'm supposed to be dead. Dad takes off. Doctor comes into the room, says, uh, we're gonna do some surgery. We're gonna do what's called exploratory surgery. Uh, you got something going on. We're not sure what it is. We're gonna go in and take a look. No big deal. I'm thinking, no big deal. You just told my dad I should be dead, dead. And now you're telling me now that you're in the room with me, ah, no big deal. We're gonna go poke around, take a look. I'm, I'm scared. I mean, I am, I am one scared little kid. 
my dad's not there. My mom's not there. Just me and the doctor. And I'm being told you're going to surgery like now. So I said, do I have time to go to the bathroom? Sure. So they let me go into the bathroom. That became my chapel. At 13 years old, I'm on my knees in a hospital bathroom um, begging God, don't let me die. Because that's what I thought was going to happen. And, you know, I didn't tell my parents this story till I was in my 40s. Um, I heard through every pore in my body a voice talk to me. It wasn't just, it wasn't like there was somebody in the room talking to me. It was like this voice that I could hear that, that everything could sense this voice. It, like it saturated me. It's a very soft voice that said, uh, do not be afraid. Now, where have we heard that before? You know, how often in scripture do we hear, you know, Jesus start with, do not be afraid. So I hear, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. I have other plans for you. And that's all I heard. That was it. And I'm, you know, I'm doing the kid thing. I'm looking around like, who's pranking me kind of a thing, you know. But this was a very soft, solemn voice. Do not be afraid. You will not die. I have other plans for you. And what I remember more than anything else after that was I was no longer scared. I mean, I wasn't nervous at all. I had this overwhelming confidence that everything was going to be fine for no other reason than this soft little voice that I believe I heard. And I walked out of that room and I said to the doctor, uh, let's get this show on the road. And he said, what? And I said, uh, they're landing on the moon tonight and I want to be there. I want to, I want to watch that happen. So the sooner I get into surgery, the sooner I get out, the more likely I am to be able to watch TV and see the moon landing. Well, I can't promise you that's going to, you know, that we're, we're, you know, I don't know that you're going to be awake, which is to me was kind of like, well, I don't know you're going to be alive. <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, I'm going to be fine. You know, because this voice told me I'm going to be fine. So let's go do this. So off I went without mom and dad, just like I say, 13 year old being wheeled off to the, uh, to surgery. And I'm joking with the nurses on the way. I'm, I'm having a great time because I'm going to be all right. So I'm I'm putting on a uh, on my best show. I'm telling some of my best jokes as we're as they're, they're and they're they're they've already got the IV going into me to to kind of calm me down and I was calm. I was I was in good shape. So I ended up in surgery for almost six hours. That moment where I sat up in bed, I had ruptured my appendix. So here I am up in northern Minnesota, uh, ruptured my appendix, and I went four and a half days with ruptured appendix and did not die and had uh, toxin levels in my blood that the doctor said I should have been dead. I woke up with all the doctors and nurses on our floor in my room, sitting on my bed, most of them sitting on the foot of my bed with my, and my parents and we're, and they're all watching the, the moon landing. It's, it's just happened. So I missed, the, I missed the landing, but I'm awake to watch the guys step out onto the moon. And God kept his word, you know, you're going to be okay. And I didn't die. And I don't know what he has planned for me. It, it might've been, it might've been my marriage. It might've been my years as a scout leader. It might've been um, uh, my years, uh, my years now in ministry. I don't know. I, 
for all I know, it hasn't happened yet. What he has planned that he he wanted to keep me alive to do hasn't happened yet. I don't know. But what I do know is that God has a plan for me because he told me so. And that's what our readings talk about today. So God has a plan for each of you. And it's about learning to hear God's voice, to be able to open yourself up, to cooperate with whatever that plan is. And it's different for different people. So let's, let's see what God has to say about this. We're about to go into the readings for the 19th Sunday in Ordinary Time. And I just want to set the scene for this. This is a reading from the first book of Kings, and it's going to talk about uh, Elijah. And it says Elijah uh, took shelter in a cave. And I just want you to understand that took shelter means hiding out <laughs> because Elijah is being chased at this uh, point by some very upset uh, Israelites who uh, would like nothing better than to kill their prophet. And so he's on the run. And so he's taking shelter in a cave. So that's where we are at, at the beginning of, of this reading. So uh, this is from uh, the 19th chapter of the book of Kings. At the mountain of God, Horeb, Elijah came to a cave where he took shelter. Then the Lord said to him, go outside and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and the Lord will be passing by. Now a strong wind and a, a strong and heavy wind was rending the mountains, crushing rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a tiny whispering sound. And when he heard this, Elijah hid his face in his cloak and went and stood at the entrance of the cave. The word of the Lord. So obviously what's happening, if you go by the description and you put yourself into the elements that are being described, there's a volcano erupting near near Mount Horeb, uh, and it's there's this wind that, that's created by the by the eruption and the the earthquake and the thundering noises, and and so there's this great chaos going around uh, Elijah at the moment. But suddenly, within the chaos, chaos, there's calm. There's a soft whispering voice, and Elijah understood that in that in that calm, in that whisper, was God about to speak to him. And that's why I say in your own life, you need to find this quiet place, uh, be it a cave or something, somewhere where, like Elijah, you can get out of the chaos and get into the calm. Because when God talks to you, it's going to be in a soft voice. When he first spoke to me, it was a whisper in a bathroom. You know, that was my cave. Where your cave is, I, I can't tell you that. Um, you probably can't even guess. It wasn't like Elijah said, well, I'll go into the cave and God will come to me there. He was on the run uh, when, when this happened. So I can't tell you when in your life you will hear the voice of God, but I can tell you that God speaks to you and has spoken to you or will speak to you, but you have to put yourself into a position where you can hear God. You have to give yourself that opportunity to hear that whisper and to to learn from God what he has in store for you. Our second reading is uh, missing. No, <laughs> our second reading is, is from St. Paul to the Romans. As Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I speak the truth in Christ. I do not lie. My conscience joins with the Holy Spirit in bearing my witness that I have great sorrow and constant anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. 
They are Israelites. There's the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. They're patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is over all. God blessed forever. Amen. So, Paul is opening this this letter by saying, "I, I have this great anguish that I live with each and every day because I've come to know Christ and my brothers haven't. My, my own kin, my, my, the, the, the culture in which I was raised, have not found him, but I have. And it, it troubles me that God gave them the prophets and the law and the covenants and everything that they had was given to them to prepare them for the coming of the Messiah. And now that Christ has come, they don't see him. They don't recognize him. And we're back now because they're living in the midst of their own chaos. They are, they are so uh, focused on their own problems with the Romans, on their own uh, burdens of their own life, that here everything that they've been given for centuries to prepare them for this moment, and now this moment has come and they don't see it. And, and Paul, who's been open to it now, uh, is, is sorrowful for them and for himself. And I know where he's coming from. I think most of you do too. Many of us as Catholics, we have uh, members in our family who, who have either left the Catholic faith or who have not entered the Catholic faith. And we feel, we feel sorrow for them. We, we are sorrowful ourselves over our sorrow for them, over our desire to share with them what we have gained through our Catholic faith. Uh, I, I know speaking to a lot of people in, in my age group, a lot of parents and grandparents whose grown children have uh, left the faith, often through a mixed marriage. Uh, they don't, rather than uh, pressure the spouse to uh, even attend Mass, they simply go for the easier route of, well, I'll go to their church because they want to worship together. And that's perfectly understandable. Uh, but you give up so much when you do that. So it's, it's a tough situation. If, if, you, if you have uh, someone in your family who's left the faith or who isn't participating in the faith uh, any longer, um, I'm sure you feel the same anguish that Paul's, Paul feels. And all I can offer you is, is prayer. Uh, pray for them. Uh, prayer is very powerful, and you never know when God is going to speak to them. I have I have a, a friend, a, a wonderful couple. He teaches religion, actually, and he came to the faith. He's been interviewed on this radio station before. Uh, he he started off as agnostic. He joined a Presbyterian faith in order to please not really his wife, but his wife's parents. Uh, the parent was a Protestant minister, so he became a member of the Protestant uh, that Protestant. Uh, Church, and he began. He began to study for that ministry, and in the in the study, he studied himself into the Catholic faith, and became Catholic. So now he's Catholic, and his new wife is still uh, Protestant, and the daughter of a Protestant minister, and feeling terribly alone, until finally she heard the voice of God, who said, "If you, the only way you'll be happy is." If you investigate the Catholic, the Catholic Church, come home was what she heard. Come home, and she, she too then converted to Catholicism, and they're now they're both incredibly active Catholics. Uh, rich, rich marriage in that they have seven wonderful children. I've been able to baptize uh, the last few of them, and uh, 
So, so here they are. They were, they were part of that outside group that, that Paul felt for who had all this information and yet couldn't see who Christ really was and what Christ was really saying. So uh, we're, we're back to that prayer. Open yourself up to prayer. Listen to the voice of God. Uh, it will be very personal and it will be very powerful, but you have to give God the chance to talk to you. Our, our uh, gospel is from Matthew, and very quickly, because uh, we're, we're running low on time again, got to do something about this 30-minute gig here. I either have to talk less or, uh, or we have to extend this time period somehow. After he had fed the people, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and proceed him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was alone there. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles off shore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. And during the fourth watch, the fourth watch, again, being uh, midnight, uh, the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Is it a ghost, they said? And they cried out in fear. At once, Jesus spoke to them, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Where have I heard that before? And Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it's you... Command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. And they were in the boat. They did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God, the Gospel of the Lord. Great stuff in this in this Gospel, and a, and a couple things I want to I want to point out. Uh, if you've ever gotten an email from me, you'll see at the bottom of the email the message: "Don't tell God how big your storm is; tell the storm how great your God is." And and that comes from uh, my understanding of this Gospel. The we all have storms around us. We all have burdens. We all have troubles in our lives. And often we're like Peter. We say, "God, come to me." You know. God, where are you? You know, if this is really you, help me. And God's there for us, and he reaches out his hand to support us. He says, come to me. But rather than coming to Christ, trusting in Christ, we get, we get refocused on this problem again, on the storm. And when we turn our focus away from Christ, we get swallowed up in our, in our personal storms. So Jesus is telling us, keep your focus on me. The storm will calm. Storms are passing. There's no storm that lasts forever. Even the great flood was over after a specific number of days. No storm lasts forever. No problem in your life will last forever if you don't let it swallow you up. Remember to keep your focus on on Christ, and that comes through your relationship with, with Jesus. And that relationship can only come through prayer. Some things to chew on for a week. Uh, we'll be uh, speaking to you next week at the 20th Sunday of Ordinary Time here on Catholic Spirit Radio. As always, if you have a question about your Catholicism, about Christianity in general, please write me. We have a mailbag here at uh, an email at Catholic at Good News, sorry, Good News at CatholicSpiritRadio.org, and we'll be happy to uh, answer your questions on air. This is Deacon Al. May Almighty God bless you, protect you from all evil, and bring you to everlasting life. 
good night. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.